0: From our bedrooms essentially we got quite successful, we worked with uh, the likes of Chelsea, uh, the likes of Newcastle United in the Premier League. And our success probably shocked us more than anything. Um, and then we were in our with requests of could it do more? Could it be more sophisticated? Could it collect more analysis on the players? And um, we, we actually had two um, Premier League players approach us. Um, and that was the birth of, of our first seed fund.
1: On the first show in 2021, our guest is Liam. He's the CEO of Train My Athlete. And today we're talking all about how data can help elite-level athletes better understand their own health and training schedules. This is Tech Talks, your twice-weekly tech podcast with myself, David Savage, today joined by Akish, where we interview leaders from across the industry and bring you some technology news. First podcast of 2021. Joining me today is Akish, and I would say things are looking up this year, but then yesterday happened and... uh... Looks like 2021 might be just as much of a um, interesting year as 2020. Yeah, well, I, I, I mean, yeah,
2: it's, it's uh, I know it's it's, it's got off. Uh, well, I mean, I, I say it's got off to a, a similar start. But I remember starting last year off in better spirits, to be honest. But you know, it is what it is. I guess we'll, we'll just call it a 2020 hangover, should we? You know
1: yeah. what? I, have you seen Death to 2020 on on Netflix?
2: I've started watching it last night. if you say that. Like,
1: it's it's weird because the stuff at the beginning of the year hmm. feels like it was about five years ago and you go, oh yeah, that happened too. And that hmm. was really bad. But then obviously the pandemic happened and everything else you're like, oh yeah,
2: hmm. all right. You forget, don't you? You literally just forget about what happened. Well, last year.
1: Australian bushfires?
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which
1: are devastating and horrendous. And... Obviously, with the global pandemic, you kind of go, "Oh yeah, Christ, that happened last year as well."
2: Mm-hmm. I think. I think every time someone says "last year," it's March, April onwards. I think. Yes. So, so it's 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 oh what happened last year, and you just think about what happened from March and April. Yeah. <laughs> you don't really think about the first few months or the first three months. Yeah,
1: oh it really depends on.
2: <laughs> yeah, I know, but hey, we we got to get on with it. Roll with yeah, the, the sun is
1: shining. The sun is shining.
2: We haven't um, had snow in London. Um,
1: is that a good or a bad thing? I quite like snow. To be perfectly
2: yeah, honest, yeah. I mean, I, I mean, it's a good thing because at least we can get out once a day and not worry about slipping on our arse, can we?
1: Well, this is it. I'd love it if there was a big snowfall right now because I wouldn't have to worry about whether or not I could get to work or not, and, and tubes
2: breaking and yeah. you know whatever but else. All
1: the stuff that that makes snow difficult hmm. wouldn't be a problem.
2: Exactly, and you can uh, you can bet anything that next year. Hopefully we're all back in the offices and, and doing some sort of normality. Uh it will absolutely chuck it down with snow. Um say well, it. i I
1: heard that this year was going to be the coldest winter on record, but we'll we'll see.
2: Hmm. We'll see. Who knows, mate? I'm not going outside, I don't know what temperature it is.
1: <laughs> you know what I'm doing experience. every day though, Akeesh? What? Actually, not every day, I'm not running every every other day, I'm hmm. going for a run. Nice. Nice. Which is a lovely segue into our interview with Train My Athlete. Not that I'm saying that I'm an athlete, but well, it's training. That, those those
2: that know you like to, uh, you know, know that you like to think you are, I reckon.
1: <laughs> no, I don't think I am.
2: Nah, you're right. You're I right. I
1: definitely don't think I am. Um, I mean, I just, you know, before we hit record here, I was, I was eating bread and hummus. I don't think that's particularly <laughs> athletic. Anyway. <laughs> Um, our guest is Liam. He's the CEO of Train My Athlete. This is the first show, the first guest of 2021. So enjoy it. We'll be back with some commentary and then a little bit of tech news later in the show. So today we're talking to Liam. Liam, you're the CEO of Train My Athlete. Uh, how are you this morning? Very well. Thanks for having me, David. Nearly Christmas, uh, time of recording. It's the 18th of December. So I imagine it's, uh, beginning to wind down today, right?
0: Yeah, last, last big day now, supporting clubs. Um, and then generally, we'll, we'll take a bit of time to reflect now over, uh, over the Christmas period. And then um, it all starts again in New Year.
1: That might be worth coming back to, actually, because the festive period with football is obviously one of the busiest. So um, it's funny that you say kind of winding down a little bit and then coming back in the New Year, but everyone needs a break somewhere. We, we might come back to that. First of all, because it'll help, Frame everything else. What is Train My Athlete?
0: So, the best way to describe it is that it was um, an athlete management software um, and a data analytics platform. So, what Train My Athlete will do is we will collect um, different metrics on players that will give the medical team or the sports science team an insight into how well that athlete is performing um, and how well generally is their health. Um, So, sports scientists. Tend to use uh, the software the most out of, out of professional clubs, and what they'll be looking for is everything from how well that athlete is sleeping, what the nutrition is like, and they'll be analysing if there's been any sudden changes. So, for example, if their sleep has been quite consistent, and then suddenly there's a spike um, for for good or for bad, um, the sports scientists will be taking a good look at that because. That will predispose them to a risk of injury. Uh, any spike um, generally will do that. Um, so it, it feeds into um, in, into a central platform, and then what we do is we we take all of that data and produce it via graph formats and and easy to look at visuals and then we'll have alert systems inbuilt which will detect those spike in trends and if someone's training load or intensity has spiked up um, a lot then that'll be a real key interest to the medical teams because they'll want to if if there's a match in two days they'll want to be very aware of that so they'll actually wind them down a little bit before they go into the match so they're not um, overcooked as it were because um, when someone's training load and intensity will, will, will go up, they will, will be at risk of injury. And at the moment, what we're seeing is really, as you, as you mentioned earlier about, about the Christmas schedule, just generally this season because of COVID, um, football in particular, those those games have really been condensed. So it's really, really important that those teams are looking after their welfare. Um, and it's very difficult um, to do so, but that information is, is just valuable because, All players will be treated as individuals now um, and and they'll literally be on different training programs. So some people will be pulled 10 minutes before uh, the end of a training session because they'll have completed their load. And so this data is really, really helpful. Um, And it's also about ensuring that the athletes engage in that. So the athletes will have an app. They'll submit all of their data through an app um, and they'll be able to communicate with, whether it be the physios, sports scientists or the medical team in general, um, to keep them up to date with, with what they're doing outside of outside of training.
1: Just before we kind of follow on any of those particular themes, how, how did you come to be the CEO of a company like this? What's your background?
0: Well, it's certainly not in tech. Um, so I, I guess you know, a, a more unusual one. Um, I did at one stage struggle to even use an iPhone. So it's it's an unusual journey. But essentially, um, my background's in in physiotherapy. I did um, have an unsuccessful car- career in football as well. I, I didn't quite make the grade and, and went into physiotherapy and worked in professional sport. Um, and, and during that time, what, what we were doing is, is all of our plans were on Excel spreadsheets and before players went off for the off-season, would be generally trying to make these lovely spreadsheets and PDF files so the players knew what they were doing. Um, and it, it would take a considerable amount of time. And, you know, after a year of doing that, I just just thought there'd probably be a more professional way than communicating those plans via email or WhatsApp. Um, and that was really the birth of the idea of Trauma Athlete. And um, when, we, when we did a little bit of, of market research, we determined that there wasn't really... As much out there for clubs who are maybe um, in that sub-elite bracket, so you know, in, in football, for example, underneath the Premier League, um, where they could have a sophisticated data analytics software that allowed them, you know, to, to write their medical notes as well as to collect data from from the players. So it was it was there that it was born, um, and, and we really started out as a as a basically a, a rehab planner um, and a nutrition planner for when players are in the off season. Uh, we, we from our bedrooms essentially we got quite successful we worked with uh, the likes of Chelsea uh, the likes of Newcastle United in the Premier League and our success probably shocked us more than anything um, and then we were in our day with requests of could it do more could it be more sophisticated could it collect more analysis on the players and um we, we actually had two um, Premier League players approach us um, and that was the birth of, of our first seed fund. And it was from then, really, um, it, it grew into this analytics platform. Um, and, and what we've tried to base that around is, is a user-friendly system that looks stunning, but is also actually for clubs that are maybe um, don't have the financial resources like a Premier League club would do. So a lot of our from championship and below predominantly in football um, and I mean from there we've grown into European markets and and more recently into China as well.
1: You don't mind me jumping in very quickly uh, you mentioned there that you barely knew how to use an iPhone going from I don't know how to use an iPhone to let's talk about data analytics like there's one thing going, we could do something better here, but it's I think in technology we we forget that actually to those who aren't familiar with the with the industry, talking about data analytics as opposed to, you know, when you look at the, the paper, it's AI. And anything beyond that is 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 not particularly accessible. So how did you make that leap? Was there, did, did you have to go looking for someone within tech? Did you just happen to know someone in your network? How did you find, I suppose, that technical expertise to bring that vision of there must be something better and maybe it could be this into the reality of here's the analysis, here's the data?
0: Well, I was always fascinated with just the general data that you get, you know, watching watching match of the day and, and seeing how many shots on target there were and, and how that was presented. I always have an eye for thinking, oh, that could... Much easier be be visually presented in a, in a different graph or a different way for people to understand. So I always had that um, idea of, of of in terms of the visuals and, and how it could be made to look nicer. And always thought that any platforms that I did use when I was uh, in, working in in football that it didn't quite have that you know that that visual nicety. But in terms of the tech side, I mean, I really was alien to it. So it was a lot of reading and i was very fortunate enough to um to find someone who had the actual te- tech know-how um and w- we were able to to work together um on bringing what what i wanted visually to life um but i mean i cannot believe that i've gone from being that person who could barely use an iphone to to understanding now some of, some some of the coding that goes in behind it <laughs> I I would never have known the complexity in even just building in you know algorithms that are are well used within um, sport to determine if if someone's predisposed to a risk of injury, and it's yeah. so complex to make a system so simple. But that challenge is is something that that we've really loved and and we've grown and evolved over over the years. So I'm really proud looking back at that journey of of where we are as a company now, um, and and because I know how hard that journey's been.
1: Out of interest, how how easy has it been to get elite? athletes to engage with your tech part of me wonders if you know you hear stories of someone like a, a harry kane and, and someone who have live-in chefs i'm sure well he's certainly not alone there are lots who now who do that from a nutrition point of view and they take it very seriously and they're looking for any edge that they can get so i could imagine possibly if you can you can convince someone that this is going to give them an edge uh, that that they will be interested but you mentioned that actually the app was something that was really important which suggests there were a few barriers to overcome and you had to find something unique to to make sure that you actually got that level of interaction
0: oh it's a great question and there is such um you know a a diversity of motivation in professional sport and actually some of the challenge are is is that athletes actually um, may not want to share that information with with their medical team or perhaps be truthful because that could have implications such as like a, a generic example would be do I want to tell my coach that I'm feeling fatigued if it would mean that I'm not in the starting lineup this weekend so those are some of the challenges and generally that sits with the club in terms of how they articulate to their players, how they'll use that data. So um, the biggest one being is really important for your welfare and, and to actually reduce the chance of your injury. Um, but fundamentally... You're only as good as, as uh, it's only as good as the data that that the athletes put in, and and if if your app isn't engaging, and if your app isn't giving the players the insights that you're 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 putting in, then you know they they need that knowledge as well. They need to know um, if they've had like a really bad night's sleep, or if their nutrition isn't as good, or if their training load is too low or is too high, and I think too often that information is just kept in-house with the medical team. And, and that athlete has a right to know what their data is saying. And, I think that's what we've really put our effort into is, is engaging the athlete and motivating the athlete to be like, you know what? Yeah, for whatever reason, my sleep has been a bit a bit rubbish these last few days. I'm actually going to talk to someone or I'm going to just make sure that I put that right. And on the whole, the one thing that all athletes want to do is they want to perform when it comes to the weekend or when it comes to match day. So um, buy-in is, is is really important um, and, and the clubs influence that greatly. But if, if the app gives them those insights that they want to know, um, then, you know, they, they've already bought into it.
1: And you mentioned that you had two backers, two, two players who got involved at an early stage and any startup in technology obviously benefits from angel investors and so on. But how much of a help, I imagine massively, but it would just be interesting to ask you, how much of a help was it to have two people from within that community? Actual players evangelizing for you. It,
0: it was it was just it was just a changing of the company. I would say because what they brought to the table and their ideas from being professional athletes, something that I never was, was just incredible. And and to have that input, um, you know, change the way in which we saw how the platform should work. And, and part of that was to improve engagement with the athletes and, and to get the athletes engaged with the app, Um, but just the insight into the day-to-day lives. I mean some of them, um some of the insight they gave us was how they interact with the medical team and the sports science team day to day with training, um, maybe breaking down some of the fears that they have of of submitting some of the data um, and, and how they're feeling. And and that goes for for mental health as well. Um so so I think it just it just really focused home and they also opened up access um, for us to coaches. To other players across other teams, and, and and we're talking about from semi-professional players to Champions League players. And we were able just to develop themes and trends of of what everyone from an athlete perspective wanted, what everyone from a sports scientist perspective wanted it, what what we would want from from back from our physiotherapy days. So we were able it just to open up of what the platform should be, and, and it became this all-encompassing and um and we we feel like you know it's covered everyone now so the managers can log on the coaches can log on and still get their data from from gps for example for when how, how fast players are going how much ground they're covering during a match day or training and then the medical team can come on and know in terms of their load and intensity how much of a risk of injury do they need to increase their training? Do, it, do they need to have a rest day? Um, yeah. So for, for, from that side of things, it, it just really, you know, it, it changed the platform completely.
1: You know, you've mentioned a couple of times mental health. Um, obviously, on the surface of it, you're talking about athletic capability. Um, but how, how is it helping mental health? I, I, can, I can understand around sleep absolutely. And I can understand, obviously, if a player avoids injury, I'd imagine that depression can set in if you're sat by the sidelines for, I don't know, six, seven months, and you're not able to play and you're training on your own. But what other tangible stuff are you seeing that that benefits um, players in that regard?
0: So the big one um, we discovered in in terms of the role that it was playing with mental health was right at the start of the coronavirus outbreak, when we went into full lockdown. And suddenly these players from being in every day and, and going through their routines every day and having interaction with the squad, with, you know, the coach and the medical team, suddenly they're at home. Um, everyone had different facilities. Some people were in, you know, apartments with, without a gym. Some people had space, garden space, but they just completely missed that interaction, that day-to-day interaction that I think we all took for granted. Um, and the app provided the communication tool, So, when players were given their training plans to train at home, they were able to log all of those details and get feedback from the team. But also they were able to use it just as a, a video communication tool or a text communication tool this, that was much more professional than you know dropping a WhatsApp message. Um, and they had data behind it. So the guys were able to see what they were doing at home from an exercise perspective and then from nutrition and just general um, well-being perspective and and if if they felt that there was concerns there they were able to, uh, to open up that chat and it was almost like that lifeline of um of someone was at the other end analyzing the data and recognizing okay we need to support you um and i think you know mental health played a huge role in in, in that lockdown um athletes you know are uh, uh, designed to and and have the mindset to to go and and, and go to a place and achieve a target and get excited about match days and suddenly that was all gone and and it was really really difficult and they also had in a training ground a platform that provided everything for them and suddenly they were at home and, and some people were alone and, and and were adrift from family so I think it really came to light there that this was a powerful communication tool to to monitor whether someone's well being had gone down, and these guys would answer questionnaires every day. Um, and some of those questionnaires were specifically around how their mental health is, and if if that went below a certain threshold, that would then trigger an alert, um, and yeah. that it might be then a phone call, it might be then a message. Um, so, so 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 we didn't even realise what what kind of a um, A lifeline it would be truly until until covid hit
1: no it's, it's it's obviously insightful and incredibly important because we know that predominantly your your customer base are young men and young men are not very good at talking about mental health so anything that opens up that conversation is good right um just out of interest uh Two two other areas that I suppose the, the the company could go in. Are you beginning to see any kind of uptake maybe with, within the women's game or any other female sports? Because obviously that's slightly different, and there's not many products out there for, for for women on the market when it comes to elite sport. Is that something you've looked at?
0: So we signed our first um, women's team in July. Um, uh, they they're a women's team uh, in the United States. Um, I think that. You know, there's, there's not been enough resource that's been put into the women's game previously, but I do think that that is on the change. And we, we, we now can see with, with the popularity of, of women's football, in particular in the UK, um, that the women's game is just as intense and the stresses both physically and mentally um, on, on the athletes are, are identical to in the men's game. The great thing about our software is that it is affordable. And I think, whilst uh, funding may not be at the same level as, say, the Premier League in in the men's game, um, it does, our our technology will allow um, the women's game to, to get the insights that they need to you know, ensure high performance, protect player welfare, both physically and mentally. So um, we, we'll, we'll see technology generally expand into the women's game. Um, and we hope to be, you know, one of the first in there that provides real high level in-depth analysis on on that side.
1: And look, as a, as a last point, I'm sitting here wearing a Garmin device, which I love, and I get lots of interesting data from it. But there's a lot of data that I get that I just kind of go, well, what, what do I do with this? given the insights you're getting on 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 elite sport is there perhaps something further down the line you might not be there yet where you kind of go maybe there's a train my athlete light for the for the non pro market where we can give some insights to to amateur athletes who are looking for a bit more insight
0: you're you're absolutely right. And and I think that is the major problem, is is we it's it's actually quite easy now to 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 access lots and lots of data. But what do we do with it? Um and we're in a position now where we've got such a, a good volume of of data on athletes from the very top to semi-professional athletes, um, that we can package that up now and be able to Compare so what we hope to do um, in 2021 is bring out, as you said, like a TMA light where players can put on their GPS, they can play for their Sunday league side or go out for a run um, or log their sleeping hours, etc. And what they'll be able to do is compare themselves to how that compares with. Premier League athletes or um in Premier League rugby players, et cetera, et cetera. So that is absolutely on the horizon. I can't say too much more about that because we're gonna be um we're gonna be announcing that in, in and around spring 2021. Um Yeah, but but what we we hope to do is is just to give that that data back to the everyday consumer. And and I I just think there's, you know, there's there's a market there, and also that. I would love if, if if I'm playing on a on a Sunday. I'd love to know how does my stats compare with one of one of my footballers. And um, I did uh, with with one of our GPSs. I did actually put it on and, and go for a sprint, and it didn't actually recognise it as a sprint. So um, it, it, <laughs> it, I just would would find it fascinating. So that's what we hope to do: we just just give those insights and. Um and the everyday consumer now wants that data. But but what is most important to us is is how we display that data. And I think that's yeah. where at the moment a lot of, of of tech companies haven't quite got things right because it's easy having the data, but but we need to be able to have a, a consumer look at that data and immediately understand what that data means. And sometimes that's with, you know, really cool visualizations or sometimes that's alerting them to certain things and highlighting certain things in the data. So that's where our focus is and, and hopefully, um, hopefully early 2021 um, will be there.
1: Very exciting. And like like you say, that that, that curiosity to compare – I can imagine certainly uh, with with people with their favourite players would be quite a big, uh, quite a big selling point. Anyway, look, Lim, it's been it's been lovely to chat to you. It is just before Christmas, as we said at the beginning of the, of the interview. So have a very uh, Merry Christmas and Happy New Year. And uh, by the time this goes out, it'll probably be, be beyond all that. So hopefully January's not too grim, hey?
0: Uh, I know. Um, what we hope uh, as a business is that we can get fans back into stadiums. So. so- yeah you know um clubs are able to to take that financial worry away um thanks so much for for having me david a big merry christmas and happy new year um and to all the listeners as well thanks for having me
1: right first of all Kish, if you if you played football on a sunday and you had the opportunity to compare yourself with um your favorite manchester united player i don't know bruno fernandes
2: bruno fernandes colby in it colby has
1: it right yeah yeah, how do you think your stats would stack up? I think I think it would be terrifying, but yeah, brilliant think, at the same time. I
2: think it would be horrendous. I think <laughs> I think if I went out and played on a Sunday morning and played ninety minutes and walked off like the local park ground, thinking I am ready, sign me up, transfer windows open, right? I I could help. Maybe not Man United's issues because obviously the clubs. Unbelievable, but you know Arsenal's issues—they uh, got a lot of them at the moment. Um, you know, signed me up, and then I compared myself to a Bruno Fernandes game. I think it would be horrific, like absolutely horrific. And- I think I
1: think it's brilliant though, because it's the kind of thing that makes you want to try harder, <laughs> but at the same time, it's going to leave a lot of people going, "Oh, all oh, right, okay." So what they do is quite impressive.
2: Yeah, exactly, and and I think I think it'll make people that think, oh, uh, you, know, f- you, you know, the usual oh, football is twenty-two men in shorts running out after a ball, or shouting the stands going, oh, "I could have done that." Yeah, yeah, me nan could have finish that. Like, uh, yeah, I mean, even you on the best of days wouldn't have been able to get anywhere near that ball, let alone try to put it in the back of the net, <laughs> yeah, control it. Yeah, everything <laughs> exactly. else. exactly. Uh,
1: after you've run what they run, and yeah, yeah, it's ri- it's ridiculous. Nuts, nuts,
2: nuts, nuts. Um, but I think I think it I think it's good though. I think it's it's genuinely good, yeah. like to have that because you, you know you see, and I know they mentioned in the the interview, it was like you know looking after the kind of if we take football as an example, looking after like the lower league clubs that mm-hmm. don't have the resources, that don't have the kind of you know time and 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 specifically money. Right to, to throw yep. at things like this, um, and there's a there's a documentary on Sky Sports that I've kind of got into on um, on Salford United and kind of their struggles and money and all that sort of stuff. But it makes you think like you know this sort of stuff is very very important. On the face yep. of it, it might just look a bit you know snazzy and oh we do this because we can. But when you actually look at planning, how many games people play travel, um, you know, a lot of these players are staying away from home a lot of the time. Um, so sleeping in hotel rooms and you know, yeah, these sorts of things. It's it's impressive the amount of analytics that you can get, right? On a person.
1: Yeah, absolutely. look, like, we start we started off with a bit of a kind of glib chat about comparing ourselves to to elite athletes. But <laughs> the fact is that you then own that data and I like the fact that Liam talks about the the strength being how we um display that data and that's no different for those elite level athletes Mm. you know displaying that data making sense of that data and ownership of the data is the thing that drives it and then means that yeah if you are a smaller club um, and you only have a small medical team if the players are really engaging with it and and entering their data that really does make their job easier because they don't have the level of resource to be able to monitor all the players themselves. Mm,
2: no, exactly. And and I think it it keeps people, I, I guess it'll help motivation, like, you know, comparing yourselves to the better performers. Um, we know that, you know, football's a, a business which is driven by a lot of money. And, mm. you know, if, if someone is on X amount and uh, you've got a young player that, you know, wants to be at that level what is that person doing what's his inputs or her inputs and how can they improve and and that sort of thing I think it's great Um,
1: and it also shows that footballers again are just human because it's the same thing that drives Strava being successful
2: it's people like comparing themselves to each other whether you're elite or not Hmm. And it's, it, do you know what it is? I, th- I think it's, it's it's a bit of competitive like spirit or competitive juices within you that that kind of get you know kind of brought to the surface um, because we we have the same thing. I, I don't know if anyone who who's listened to this is into cricket, but there's a there's a if if you play cricket to a, a fairly high level or or any kind of club cricket as well in the UK, there's ECB website called Play Cricket. And yep. that's got all your stats on there, and and you know that sort of thing. And I do this all the time. You know, I compare myself to other other people in the league. You know, look at kind of what other teams are doing, who their top performers are. You know, what their averages are, high scores, all this sort of thing. So, you know, um, I am known in my club as a bit of a, a play cricket kind of you know fiend. But um, yeah, I think I think the analytics side is is, is great, um, and it gives something to talk about. Which is very, very good,
1: yeah, absolutely, um I mean, it's funny that you mentioned play cricket because I'm just quickly looking at my my career statistics mate um, <laughs> let's have a quick look, let's not have a look at me batting summary that's that's fairly tragic. Uh, Oh, yeah. best bowling 8 for 27 there you go there we go
2: that's, that's that's a decent afternoon isn't it that is a decent afternoon
1: yeah yeah average average, average of 20 20.15 20. 155 wickets that'll do anyway uh <laughs> to anyone
2: really that's into really cricket
1: on. yeah before really we just forwarded that <laughs> <laughs> so I couldn't help myself there right now um i think i think genuinely one of the brilliant things that Liam mentions here is that and, and, I, and one of the takeaways for anybody who's interested in a career in technology or starting a technology business is that he could barely operate an iPhone. Mm. Here he is, CEO of a business that has successfully sold data analytics to Premier League clubs, Champions, championship clubs, um, women's uh, league clubs, clubs around Europe, and this is a guy who self-confessed could barely operate his iPhone.
2: Mm. And that
1: just shows that if you have a good idea – and you're willing to pivot, which they obviously did with regards to the fact that they got an MVP out into the market in in as much as it was a rehab and nutrition planner. And then clubs came back and said, could it do more? They were able to iterate and plan and they just, they had insight and passion and that is all you need Hmm. to be brilliant Hmm. and to offer something that that genuinely can make a difference through technology.
2: Yeah, 100%. And and listen to your customers, right? I mean, so so many times we get... You, know, you download, uh, download a download a song or something on iTunes and you get the little, uh, how do we perform? You know, give us a four star, five star, you know, leave a review, that sort of thing. And I'm sure they listened to their customers and said, look, mate, you guys are doing great. This is helping out with the meals and the players and all this sort of stuff. What else could you do? And he went, right, I'll have a work on it. And because he had a, a brain that, you know, you mentioned kind of watching match of the day and thinking how the stats all kind of show up and how that could be presented, how that could then fit into what they've already got. Um, yeah, he smashed it like really, yeah. really good. And, and and I think I think it's great because um, I know I know a few people, I know a few guys who play kind of you know semi pro kind of football and for the local kind of town teams, right? Um, and I think. I think if they had something like this, it would really, really help them, um, especially now, because the kind of group training and that sort of thing is is forbidden, right? So yeah. if they had something like this, where they could see kind of what each team kind of members doing, and you know what the kind of teams doing, what sort of schedule they have, I think it's great, um, and it would it would it would also keep people sane, which I think now more so than ever it would help people's kind of mental well-being, which I know we talk about it and go on about it a lot, but it's, that's probably the most important thing at the moment where, you know, everyone's kind of stuck indoors and limited to their uh, usual, um, you know, things that they do in life. So, yeah.
1: Yeah. Look, um, I think there's loads here to take away. Um, some brilliant examples as we said of iteration of pivoting of of perseverance of having an idea and insight um of getting people on board who are genuine experts to help you you know mm-hmm. you mentioned the impact of elite athletes and offering different insight and different perspective on things Liam I really appreciate you coming on I think um I think it's brilliant and I can't wait to see if there is a train my athlete like that gets into our hands and hopefully <laughs> we, can, we can have a go
2: right you're going to compare yourself to some of the Newcastle players yeah
1: <laughs> to be fair right now i think i compare quite well no
2: i think you probably run more than andy carroll does but you know
1: <laughs> yeah, this is the scary thing i'm probably not as mobile as andy carroll is am i but yeah,
2: exactly
1: <laughs> right we'll, a wardrobe, but, yeah. Yeah, anyway, we'll, um, we'll go to an advert break we'll come back with some technology news A couple of years ago, Michael and Jacob, two friends from London, were both thinking about their consumption and sustainability as a whole. Michael, a professional footballer at the time, realised he had no options when it came to sustainable sportswear. Overconsumption and underuse was all too common. Hilo was born, a sportswear brand fighting for the planet by changing mindsets. They started with a running shoe made with seven natural materials, and the shoe can be recycled at the end of its life. As a company, they've offset their carbon to beyond zero, making them carbon negative. You can find out more about Hilo and support their mission at HiloAthletics.com. That's H Y L O. We support the Hilo movement. Okay, if you remember back to the, to the death throes of 2020, we spoke about Google hmm. uh, and we spoke about the fact that they had got rid of their ethics um, lead, uh, Timnit Gerbru, uh, and there'd been all sorts of Um, written about whether or not um, their research should be uh, accepted by the academic community who were particularly disappointed with their censorship of staff, uh, in particular that incident that we were referring to. A bit of an update on that for you. Mm. What is it? So 200 members of Google have formed a union. Right. And it's the first union in any alphabet company. Okay, Mm -hmm. they've not got together to talk about wages or benefits, and um, I was listening and reading to a report about this, where they basically said that actually Google employees are some of the most compensated in the market. Mm. But this is about being able to speak out, so abuse, harassments, being able to say no to projects that don't match their values. Um, It's a really important step because this this is really the the first such example of a union within big tech. Mm-hmm. You've got to ask what it's going to mean for other big tech companies. Like Amazon, are the second biggest employee in the USA. Google have one hundred and thirty-two thousand employees themselves. Mm. Um, it's it's really interesting. It's really it's also doubly interesting timing because Google have just hired a new chief people officer who's come from AstraZeneca. So how 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 she uh, reacts to this will be very interesting as well.
2: Mm. That's very true, actually. So they've hired out a pharma. Her, well, I guess they've, yeah, they've hired out farmer, pharma, yeah. uh, put her into uh, the, probably the biggest technology giant, I'd say, in the world. Yeah, well, that's I mean, Up pharma there.
1: companies must have a huge amount of technology yeah. now. Involved. Like, let's face it, they, you, don't, you wow. don't get vaccines that quickly without being able to use tech,
2: exactly. Um, but I think, I think the union idea is great, actually, just like you know, having. Especially, especially when it's not about, oh, you know, give us more time to do this. Give us kind of, you know, uh, hours in the day, and it, and if it's about kind of their own, uh, just how they're feeling, and 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 you know, the, the kind of organisation, um, and the thing where you said, you know why they can say no to projects and no to bits of work if it's not up with their kind of values. I think, I I think, think that's I great. Know, like
1: yeah. Um, mm. And look, some people might turn around and go, yeah, well, t- what's 200 people out of 132,000 going to do? Mm. But um, this isn't necessary because they're not trying to get wage increases, benefits, you know, those kind of things. It's not about collective bargaining. Mm. So therefore the numbers are less important. It's more symbolic. It's more, It'll be almost if, if Google don't like it, it'll be it'll be a source of embarrassment mm. that will be the thing that drives change within the organization. And others could well join. Now that these two hundred have come forward, what's to say that more people won't go, No, I, I agree, and I will join as yes. you.
2: Also, I think these two hundred people raising that awareness, there will be cases that probably come out and now people feel confident that they'll be heard or you know something will be done about it. So yeah. it's like yeah, it's sort like of the movements across the U- US, right, around kind of, um, you know, kind of the, the the famous people, you know, doing kind of sexual harassment and all that sort of thing. And, you know, um, I think now that I there is a when platform.
1: Got the Me Too movement and their. Me Too, full- yeah, that's the one. Yeah, that's yeah. the one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So,
2: um, so I think now people will be like, well, Yeah, well yeah, a hundred percent. I've I've experienced this, nothing was done, or you know, that sort of thing. And it will probably allow the new chief people officer to actually put in policies and processes which will be driven by the employees and by the people that are actually doing it day to day. Um i.e. the job, not the, the yeah. kind of harassment or anything. But um but yeah. I thought, I thought I think it's great, great idea. And also, um, what a challenge for her, isn't it? Leaving AstraZeneca given where we are. Right? Given yeah. given
1: an even more interesting dynamic right now. Uh, exactly. so yeah. Yeah, look, obviously I wish her the best of luck because the, the big tech companies, yeah, right, we should hold them to account, but they also have the they also have an amazing ability to perhaps transform the world for the better. So mm-hmm. You want to hope that the people at the top of those organisations do those carry out those jobs as well and as as effectively as they can.
2: Hundred um,
1: percent. Yes, right. I think that'll do um, for today's show. Thanks Ooh. for joining me uh, to kick off the new year. A if of you were worrying, uh, w- wondering rather. My batting average um, nine point yeah. three seven. Brilliant. <laughs> What's your school? <high> score? <laughs> um, Forty six. But, yeah. but but apart from that. Nothing much made out of the teens.
2: Oh, that's all right. Mine mine's yeah. hundred mine's 146, not out. Just, right, just, right, just, yeah, just yeah. bring it out of there. <laughs> well,
1: you know, if you want if you want to laugh, right? <laughs> sixty innings in those sixty innings, fifteen ducks. Oh well, there you go. 25% of the time. <laughs> we
2: we have played a game together. I can vouch your bowling is good. So there you go. <laughs> I can't bat. <laughs> <for that>.
1: Anyway, <laughs> um right after that. A bit of ritual humiliation. Um, thanks for joining us. We'll be back no problem. on a Tuesday. Take care. I don't care, I'm not